Hello. Greetings and good day. My name is Keith Gawler and welcome to That Was Great. Wasn't it? Oh who am I kidding? This is the greatness meter. Been working on my Keith impersonation. One of these days. This is a podcast where each week Keith and some friends, both old and new, and new in this case meaning a member of the newest Podfix network show, reminisce on their youth via the nostalgic power of Saturday morning cartoons. Jeez. I thought we got past hazing rituals. Shows can be from any part of the 70s, 80s, or early 90s. Won't matter because Keith can never remember if he saw it or not anyhow. Some are classics, some are classics with their quotes, but all will have us pondering the same philosophical conundrum, that was great. Wasn't it? This time around we are jumping on the Cobra Kai coat towels and covering the Karate Kid cartoon. Daniel Sun, Mr. Miyagi and someone named Taki, who I would bet dollars to donuts we will get a full background slash origin story this episode, traverse the world trying to recapture the mysterious shrine. I mean, they got to tell us something eventually right? Joining Keith this week is Matt Walker. Matt is a podcaster, writer, comedian who thinks space is just alright. Matt is part of the improv group Wall R Us, whose podcast, Little Bits and Pieces, talk about improv and other sorts of comedy, all while armed with only their performing experience. He is also a member of the podcast Discovery Show. Now is normally when Keith would dazzle you all with amazing facts he swiped of Wikipedia for the series Spotlight, but seems he is still having some issues talking and didn't want to cough through the segment. Maybe if he rested up instead of being out and about hunting monsters, he could pull his weight around here. Seriously. The guests have been kicking ass. I edit the shit out of this thing. Do you know how many ums I delete to make him sound less of an idiot? He'll pick it back up next time with talk about Pat Morita and Robert Ito. Hey, greatness, greatness, man. What? Yeah, do the Monster Hunter promo plug thing still too, okay, man? Still? We didn't even do the bit. Yeah, I know, just do it. Fine. The spotlight is normally brought to you by the Monster Hunters, a Monsters Rewatch podcast. Go to www.monsterhunters.com for more details. Since we are selling out, here are some sponsors. Hi, I'm Matt. I'm Christian. I'm Jeff. And we're the comedy trio Walrus. Join us for our podcast, Little Bits and Pieces, where we discuss the finer points of improv, along with some of the other points that are maybe not so fun. That's right. It's a podcast for everyone by three experienced improvisers that doesn't take itself too seriously. Well, wait, you guys aren't taking this seriously? Join us every Thursday, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you're not sick of us, head over to walrus.com. W-A-L-L-A-R-E-S dot com for more comedy content and upcoming opportunities to see us live. Rage P Energy Drink is back, baby. The 100% GMO non-organic lavatory, I mean laboratory-made energy drink, is again a proud sponsor of That Was Great, Wasn't It? And as part of our partnership, they have formulated three brand new flavors of Rage P Jr. specific to our season two covering the Karate Kid. You can try Yagi Jojito, Grain Kit Cranberry Kiwi Cocktail, or Shrine Wine, a strawberry flavored punch of some sort. And if that wasn't enough, RPJ's brewed up another limited edition batch of That Was Grape, wasn't it? Mystery packs. Get them now before the eBay markup. Rage P. When it comes to energy drinks, they're number one. Hi, everyone. 
Derek from the Munster Hunters here. I'm sitting on the beach waiting for Keith and Terry to resurface from our latest scuma dive. I figure now is the perfect time to tell you about the Munster Hunters Patreon. Did you know that one out of three people has darn, darn, darn dysmorphia and another one in a hundred suffers from lazy fiddlesticks? It's because of our generous patrons that we're able to search for answers. For only $5 a month, you will receive two bonus Monster Hunter episodes plus exclusive content, and we can continue our work here. Laugh along as we fight off demons from our scuba trips, travel through a monsterverse of madness, or even glimpse into a parallel dimension where we watch the fall guy. For more information on how to become a patron and help the Monster Hunters make life better for everyone, go to patreon.com slash monsterhunters. Follow us on Twitter at monsterhunters or go to monsterhunters.com. Welcome back from the commercial break, and welcome to the show uh, from Walrus. Matt Walker, welcome, sir. Hello. Thank you for having me, Keith. No problem. Your audition on your pop-up film cast episode, even though it was well before I even came up with the show idea, uh, got you, you know, you didn't have to re-audition for this one. So, welcome aboard. Well, uh, swap thy decks. Uh, I don't know. No, that's um, Paul Chomo's. That's Paul Chomo's show. The, the oh, mask. gotcha. <laughs> wrong show. Wrong show. <clears throat> oh, 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 that's all right. That's right. Um, uh, you know, uh, well, obviously, you think you're on a different show altogether. I probably should give you a quick recap of what happened last week. Even though now four episodes in, I don't think it really gives a damn. <sighs> but I will because we're contra- contractually obligated. This week's. Recap of The Karate Kid is brought to you by the Podfix Network. Find out more about this show and other great shows like it at www.podfixnetwork.com. When we last left our trio, Daniel, Miyagi, Taki, no hot Cheetos though, just Taki. Uh, They were in New Jersey and uh, Daniel was having a bit of reunion of sort with uh, an old flame and an old bully and... Uh, trying to find the shrine, which then somehow fell into a thing of balloons, kind of like the house on up, and it floated away, floated away, and eventually, uh, oh yeah, he also ruined a former employer's business completely, Um, but that's between him and the business guy. Um, The balloons, apparently, though, they come down across the Atlantic in Paris, France, and that is where we are, Matt, in episode four, The Tomorrow Man, Originating on September 30th, 1989. Ooh. Uh, yeah. In Paris, France, the trio is in pursuit of a smuggler known for his affinity for parfait a chocolat as he is looking for the shrine. A man known as the Amazing Roland pretends to be a clairvoyant to entertain tourists, but has been getting actual psychic visions. However, one such vision shows Mr. Miyagi's possible death, causing Daniel to panic. Mr. Miyagi convinces Daniel that fate must run its course. Bam. Whoa. Like, okay. Based on based on that description from over on Wikipedia, this sounds like an awesome episode. Oh, yeah. There's desserts. There's... there's a, yeah, I mean, you got a smuggler who's got an affinity for expensive desserts. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, I think his and name the, was Mr. Whiskers yeah. is what they called him. All right. Exactly. Now, they don't call him Mr. Whiskers until later on in the episode. 
<laughs> um, however, my notes here say the episode starts with our heroic trio on a stakeout of a man named Whiskers. And can we call him Mr. Whiskers? <laughs> I, you Which know, is, I think that's one. what we're going to do the whole time. Yeah. His name is Mr. Whiskers in my brain. Uh, Mr. Miyagi, I think eventually does call him Mr. Whiskers. And when he does, I laugh for the first time. The entire episode. <laughs> <clears throat> that's so yeah. funny. I, I laughed as soon as they said they tracked down this smuggler because of his affinity for parfait au chocolat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now they've been, apparently been staking him out for several days. Daniel's like, you know, you know, for after the last few days, we all we know is he lives in a dumpy apartment and likes expensive desserts. Um, I don't know, man. Maybe skip out on the expensive dessert and get a nicer apartment, I guess. I don't know. Like Well, you know, you know, they say that like <coughs> detectives are the best people to commit crimes because they know the way cops work. Mm-hmm. This smuggler should know that she, he should not have a favorite dessert. For everybody listening that's a smuggler don't have a favorite dessert and you will not be tracked down no also um i will say that two episodes ago when they were in hong kong before they went to new jersey and after they were in the amazon um daniel makes some like comments about some other place that people are living it's like this place is a dump <laughs> and later on this jersey, episode Taki, <laughs> uh well that's the entire thing he didn't have to say it there that's the whole thing um <laughs> In this episode, like I think at some point in time, then Taki will make a comment that's very similar about like this place looks like like a dump. Um, now we get the first Miyagiism of the episode, and yeah. man, he is he loves this one. He oh, loves yeah. this metaphor a thousand times in this episode. This yeah. is the first time we hear it. We are like fox hunting rabbit to catch rabbit. Us to know how rabbit lives. <laughs> Also, it must be pointed out right now that the trio are just eating a bowl of grapes. And Mr. Miyagi is using chopsticks. That's absurd. Man, Mm. how did I miss that? (laughs) Well, um, it's things like this that you notice when you binge watch the show, (laughs) as opposed to just one-offs, because they've been traveling around uh, very poorly and, like, picking up work. Um, Like, when they went from Hong Kong to New Jersey, they actually... Worked on a fishing boat to get over here. I, oh, they don't seem to have a lot of money, even though Mr. Miyagi constantly pulling out wads of cash at times uh, in each episode. Oh my god, I'm I'm Daniel glad you said stuff. that because I definitely yeah. want to bring that up later. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, so they're pointing out they're eating the bowl of grapes now. Mr. Whiskers, I will call him that the whole time. <laughs> he orders the parfait uh, chocolate, and while waiting for the waiter, a payphone rings. He answers it, tells the caller to meet him at the Chateau Bridge in ten minutes. And, and he, it's a very creepy. It's a guy in a trench coat type voice that you, it's exactly what you expect. And you got it. Good. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't, I don't feel good now. I'm... <laughs> I got to say, the way, as soon as, as soon as he leaves too, and he goes to leave and he goes to meet the person on the bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, Oh my God! What's the crying kid's name? Daniel. Da- Daniel. David? Daniel. My God. Mm. Uh, Daniel is like, let's get him. Let's go get him now. Mr. Miyagi tells him one more time. You know, you must wait. Be like, uh, be like the thing. Yep. He's doubling and tripling down on the fox rabbit metaphor here. <laughs> rabbit have keen senses. Fox move too quick. Scare rabbit away. Crafty fox lie low. Wait for right moment. Just as Mr. Whiskers leaves the scene, Maggie clears the right moment is now. 
three follow for what I assume is five to ten steps behind. Um, yeah. Unless the guy is sprinting, and he doesn't look like he can do a sprint very well. I took a note of that. I was like, oh, the right moment, Mr. Miyagi, was as soon as you finished explaining that it wasn't the right moment. And that you all shoved your chairs back and he probably heard you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, Lord. So Mr. Whiskers gets to the bridge and a stranger approaches with a bag. And Daniel's ready to pounce out of a tree that all three are standing in. I said a tree that they're all standing in. And that that's not making this shit up. How they got there ahead of him. Plus, got into a tree that is basically right above where he's at, like without him seeing. Like, I would be like, "Wow, there's three people standing up, climbing up into a tree." Like, I mean, not Miyagi was he? Miyagi was right. It was mm-hmm. the time, you know. He yeah. didn't notice somehow. Now Just Miyagi says on. we have to wait to see if the shrine is actually there. Now Matt, since this is your first episode with us, and you're not going to binge watch all thirteen, or if you do, I'm sorry. Um, the shrine actually is just a statue that looks like a shrine. Like a little like shrine like thing that in episode one you think they're actually looking for an actual temple shrine type thing, but no, it's just a, a statue. It looks it's like a little trophy, like a little mm-hmm. you'd see it on a little shelf behind. That, that's yeah. probably why Miyagi wants it, right? Just mm-hmm. brings yeah, it'll look, the it'll room look together. Nice. Well, you know what? To this point, we have not been told really how it got there or what <laughs> anything to do with it. Um, but that's a little foreshadowing. We'll get to that. Ooh. Now, Miyagi says, wait to see if the shrine's really there. When we see it, suddenly the branch breaks. Daniel falls on the Mr. Whiskers. The shrine goes tumbling. Daniel tries to get, but Mr. Whiskers uh, gets ahead of him, grabs it. Taki, like a great uh, linebacker, pulls him down. Mr. Whiskers shovel passes it to the stranger, who we never see again after this. Um, Oh, yeah. uh, To the guy who he just bought from. That guy's got the cash plus the thing he could get the hell out of Dodge. And now here's where I need to take a very, very, uh, like a, a pause. Now, Matt, you missed the grapes earlier. <sighs> oh, boy. Did you notice that Mr. Miyagi's not running on anything? Oh, no, I didn't. He's just running on air. Well, I mean, I'll leave it or not. Up to... I'm walking on air. <laughs> like he's the greatest American hero all of a sudden. I mean, he's just. Hey. There is a, there's a railing to think that I think he's supposed to be running on, but there is a good like six to 12 inches between him and the thing that he's supposed to be running on. <laughs> I mean, classic. And, <clears throat> yeah. But then he manages to jump on the stranger's shoulders before he can bring him down. Mr. Whiskers comes up, takes the handoff and keeps rumbling, bumbling, stumbling away. Taki continues to chase, but Mr. Whiskers uh, hops on a little speedboat and takes off. <laughs> little, very little. It's a <clears throat> very little speedboat. Yeah, well, I mean, you can't have big ones in France. We got, it's true. We got rules, rules and regulations. Oh. This is a Mission Impossible. <laughs> yeah. But we're, you know what? It might as well be because Daniel does a very Ethan Hunt thing, and he jumps off the bridge, grabbing a rope uh, in, in midair as he falls, <laughs> hits the water, and the speedboat's going, so it automatically pops him up, and he is water skiing on his foot. Oh, it's amazing. Um, another boat crosses paths. Daniel manages to jump it. And then Mr. Whiskers takes this very big turn, Daniel goes flying, he lets go of the thing, flies out of the water, lands on a chair outside some random French restaurant, and uh, he sits there for a second, and then it breaks. <laughs> like, I thought he was going to sit and flirt with that lady for a little bit. I did, too. I thought he was going to be like, how are you doing? But yeah. uh, I, I'm glad you said that, it, that he sat there for a second before the chair broke, because <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, I guess he's fine. <laughs> 
you know, I was excited to see it like he lands there and I thought he was gonna like you know flirt with this lady real quick. I was oh. like, Oh, this is actually kind of funny that he's gonna do nope, chair just breaks. It's like two seconds, one, two, yeah. chairs breaks. <laughs> very mm-hmm. strange, very strange timing. All right. So now uh Daniel apologizes to Mr. Miyagi for screwing up. And look, I know it's been five years of hanging out with this man from the All Valley Tournament to Okinawa, back to the All Valley Tournament, now going around the world trying to find the shrine. But what kind of mind games is Mr. Miyagi playing with Daniel? The tree branch broke, and then Daniel risks his life and limb skiing after Mr. Whiskers, and yet he feels the need to apologize. This is the first time I've ever, like, that I'm ever actually anti-Miyagi all of a sudden. Well, it's it's a very unhealthy relationship they have. Yeah, I know like a lot of people are like, oh, if you go back and look at the Karate Kid, you can see Daniel's really the bully the whole time. Well, maybe Mr. Miyagi's playing the weird mind games with him the whole time. I, I think it's a codependent <clears throat> thing, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Borderline, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's very, very weird. But again, I'm like, why is he apologizing? Miyagi is alert, folks. I should have like a little sound that goes... Don't regret what can't change. Make tomorrow better. Daniel worries that tomorrow never comes. And Taki jokes that they should go see a psychic, uh, like the one that they see a very large sign for, the Amazing Roland. To which then I had to like constantly be like, it's not the Amazing Jonathan. Which is right. like a magician, psychic guy, comedian guy. The Amazing Jonathan, yeah. He's a, he's a comedic <coughs> uh, magician. Died, if I remember correctly. God damn it, this cost will make me edit. Yeah, I think oh. he died recently, yes. He did. I mean, maybe recently. Could have been 10 years ago. I don't know. It could have been. I Time means nothing. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. Um, Miyagi says, be patient and no shortcuts, but Daniel isn't having it. He's like, what's wrong with shortcuts? He borrows Taki's <laughs> shrine necklace, looks just like what they have, and he heads off to see Roland. And Taki's like, I don't think he hurt Mr. Miyagi. And then she wonders if they should go back to where they uh, were staking him out, but missed out Mr. Whiskers. And Miyagi now quadruples down on the foxy talk. No, rabbit, no fox on tail. Look for new rabbit hole. Then they I get love- a cab, and he's like, let's go wherever they have the best parfait of chocolate in town, and we will find him. This is, again, don't have a favorite dessert if you want to get, if you don't want to get caught. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it works. Don't have a favorite anything. Have a, have a favorite type of pizza that you can buy. Especially if it's at Sbarro's, because then you really can't track anybody. Yeah. But, like, something that you could get, uh, uh, like, man, I love <laughs> I love a good cheeseburger. So there's, like, 80 billion places to go to a cheeseburger, even in France, I'm sure. But, they, uh, the you know, they're going to TripAdvisor or something, looking up the top 10, you know, chocolate, uh, parfait at chocolate places. They're like, let's go, each one of them. That's just, uh, it's like... It- a child wrote this episode on what a detective actually does. <laughs> yeah. Also, by the way, they keep falling around. Nobody's ever trying the parfait to find out what's saying good either. That's true. It could. No. He might. He might be rather partial to like kind of bad parfaits. Even he's like, I know they're not good, but <laughs> I'm Mister Whiskers. <laughs> Mister Whiskers, it's great. <laughs> um, cut to Daniel in the amazing Roland show. Now, this is where we first uh, officially meet the amazing Roland. And he's looking at a crystal ball and he's calling out facts about a couple on stage with him. We can see backstage his assistant is feeding him details via headset. And the husband's like, man, this is some bullshit. He tries to come out as a fraud. And it's like, name our children. What are our children's name? 
Oh, he yelled at him. He was yeah. so mad at him. He goes, what are our kids' names? And slams down on a table. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Oh, yeah, they were sitting at a table, and suddenly they're on stage. Like, he, they bum-rushed the stage. Crazy. Uh, Roland suddenly gets an actual psychic reading, and he proves the guy wrong by naming the kids, and the guy's like, whoa, I thought he was a fake. Nope. <laughs> Take that, dude. Don't heckle people. Uh, we go backstage. Roland's assistant asks how he figured out the couple's the couple, uh, their children's names. And he explains he's been getting some actual psychic readings in his mind lately. And she just kind of laughs it off and says, we'll keep getting them so we can make more money. Why not go into a deeper conversation about this? The guy yeah. just told you he's actually seeing visions. <laughs> like you might want to like, just not walk out. And then I don't know if, I don't know if this is something you caught, but as she's leaving, she says, bonjour, mm-hmm. which means Hello. I looked it up immediately. I was like, wait, is this like Aloha? No, it is not. <laughs> oh, I did not catch that one. Ah, there we go. I was too busy still baffled by Mr. Miyagi walking on air um, to catch that. Probably, I think I also thought it was like a Aloha type thing. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. That's not. Or or maybe I was really uh, bothered by the fact that as the assistant leaves, <laughs> Daniel just walks into the dressing room I'm like, hey, man, what's up? <sighs> You guys like here for an autograph? Uh, you know, some I don't know. I could have been a stalker. I know I'm here to kill you. Oh, I wish yeah, my assistant yeah. was here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I we you know we met online. Now I'm here. I don't know. Um, but Daniel quickly spills his stop story, and Roland's like, "Man, I'm not gonna. I don't want to help you. I don't have time for that. I don't do that type of stuff." Daniel's like, "I can pay." Roland immediately like, "All right, what do we got?" Now, he's holding the necklace, and he starts to see images of Mr. Whiskers on the river. Uh, and then he says the shrine is in a dusty closet. The vision kind of abruptly ends, and Daniel just grabs and is like, come on, we're going to the river to see if you can get a better reading. <laughs> like, whoa, slow the fuck down, Daniel. Like, like he went he's just from... dragging him along. Yeah, he went from not knowing anything about this to just to being like, man, it can't hurt to be like, oh, you know about a river? And a and a dusty old closet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> You're mine now. <laughs> For the most part, yeah. He's basically just uh, hijacked him. Uh, so now we cut to Miyagi and Taki uh, at the last of the top parfait establishments in all of Paris. <laughs> we'll never find them. This is no. the last place where you can yeah. find a parfait au chocolat. Uh, I, mean, it's, I imagine it's like you know, like a you know, like a Starbucks or like down south a Waffle House. You find them all like, over the place. And also, yeah, but parfait au chocolat, that's, that literally is. That's just a chocolate parfait that you can get that at a grocery store. <laughs> like, Yeah, they, I'm sure there's, there's got to be a Publix in France, right? <laughs> and they just exhausted every possible parfait au chocolat mm-hmm. place. Yeah. My God. Um, they walk in, and Taki's like, oh, this is like a movie. It's a big <laughs> restaurant. Okay. <laughs> uh, they see Mr. Whiskers, and he's about to dive into a very large parfait they chuck a lot much bigger than what you get at a grocery store oh yeah now it, it looked good it did miyagi then uh keeps down the rabbit hole of the metaphor when rabbit eat fear return to rabbit hole all right very I, good. I had a note here i was just like miyagi just say let's get him or or wait just say he that is, it, the writers One. really wanted to go like they were like how many things can we say about a rabbit and a fox <laughs> like how long can we make this work um, they cut to Daniel and Roland. They are on a rowboat now. Um, this show really loves to travel by boats. They do it in every single episode. Um, and now Ro- Roland is trying to concentrate, 
And as he's doing it, Daniel's like barraging him, like, focus, man, concentrate. You got to do it. And then Roland kind of looks up with him, and Daniel's just like, what? It works in Mr. Miyagi, does it? <laughs> yeah, dude, he's a sensei with, like, spider sense also. I don't know. He's your Daniel's son. Yeah, say it in a metaphor, Daniel, and maybe, maybe. That's what was missing. There was no fox and rabbit metaphor for Roland <laughs> yeah. to lock onto. Uh, back in the restaurant, Mr. Miyagi's playing waiter. Um, he's got both hands filled. He's got something on his head. Bumps into another waiter. Catches the guy's dish on his foot. And I think it's like a big saucepan, too, or something. And the guy just looks at him like, whoa, and then takes it and walks away. Then, out of nowhere... Uh, some cabaret can-can girls come out. They're dancing through the restaurant, and as they pass by Mr. Whisker's table, we see that Taki suddenly is one of them. Now, she does have an affinity for dance and acting and photography, but she managed to learn the choreography for this in no time. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and, and blends in right away. Now, Made it look good. Mm-hmm. Back on the boat, Roland gets an image of neon lights. And he's He can't make it out. He's like, ah, it's something, something. But Daniel sees it, too. He's like, uh, is it I forget what the name of the place was, but it's on the building they were passing by. Interlude of Miyagi serving food, which only serves to buy us time so that when Daniel and Roland are on the roof, suddenly peering into the room, it doesn't seem as odd. <laughs> Daniel and Roland break in. Back in the main dining area, Taki sits behind Mr. Whiskers, who now senses something is wrong and confronts her. Why did she just stay in costume? <laughs> Like, just kind of flank, like, the area. You don't have to sit down, like, you know, right behind them in your clothes you've been wearing every single episode. They probably smell. Well, and it kind of makes you think <clears> of why, why'd she dress up like the, why'd she do that in the first place? Exactly. <laughs> you all. did all that to get close. I mean, Miyagi didn't even put on a costume yet. He's getting around. <laughs> Mr. Whisker starts to drag her off, and when Mr. Miyagi uh, sees this, he slaps his hand down on a plate of noodles, sends him <laughs> flying across the room, and nails Mr. Whiskers in the head. And Mr. Whiskers is like, what the what the hell? <laughs> yeah, you chopped that spaghetti and it flew onto his head like a rabbit snare. <laughs> oh, good one, good one. There yeah, we go. but it was, yeah. and he did. He kind of just landed on his head and he was like, what the hell? And, <laughs> and just like got it off and ran away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, also, Mr. Miyagi at this time, very kindly, turns to the real waiter and goes, ah, uh, noodles for six. <laughs> and and order, like basically orders up some fresh noodles for him. So it was very thoughtful of him. Oh, God. Um, now, here's a confusing thing. Back in the room, Daniel is digging through Mr. Whisker's drawers. He demands Roland keep trying to see something. Now, Roland says he doesn't get any visions. Um, but then he walks over the closet, the one he told Daniel about originally, the dusty closet. So why <laughs> have they not looked in the closet yet? I don't know. Um, he opens it, and there it is in all its glory. Not very dusty. It's kind of shiny in there. It's the shrine. Uh, he kind of uh, takes it, slips past Daniel, just so Daniel doesn't see it right away, and then starts to head right back out the window, and Daniel's like, hey, whoa, that's mine. Where are you going with it? Roland's like, nope, mine now, kid. And that's right before Mr. Whiskers enters his room and is ready to beat Daniel down. Um, we get a little fade to black as a commercial. We'll uh, you know, keep everyone on the edge dun, of the seat dun. back in 1989. <clears throat> yeah. Come back. Daniel quickly makes quick work of Mr. Whiskers. He's a he's a hack. He throws him to the side, throws him down on the bed. Miyagi and Taki then enter room, and right before they do, Mister Whiskers slips into the closet, and closes the door, so they don't <laughs> see him. Uh, instead, they're shocked to see Daniel, who's there, and he leaps out the window to chase down Roland. 
I, I love the way he jumped out that window, too. He's like, Roland has the shrine. He took the shrine. And then he just immediately jumps out the window. And, and hops in the taxi cab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Uh, Taki's worried they lost the shrine and Daniel. Mr. Miyagi's like, don't worry, he'll come back. He always comes back. I've, I've trained him that way. I will be like Fox. Yeah. <laughs> and now, now he... <laughs> here's the other confusing part. Roland, back in his dressing room, he's packing up. He's like, I get the hell out of here uh, before they, they track me down again. And he asks the shrine to show him something. And he sees Daniel outside his door. And he goes, what does it mean? <laughs> really? You didn't need a crystal ball. The dude is right outside your door. Like, you're if psychic at all, you should have known he was there. Well, and also well, some power the shrine has, huh? It tells yeah. you the future five seconds from now. Well, not even I mean, five seconds. That was present. <laughs> well, so I think it was supposed to be a little bit of a warning. So he knew before Daniel kicked in the door, but he's like, what does this mean? Moron. <laughs> Jesus, the kid you're running from is right outside. So Daniel kicks in the door. He's not waving the 4-4 like, like Biggie Smalls. Uh, he tells Roland to give him the shrine. Roland says it tells him the future. But Daniel doesn't care if it tells him basketball scores. All right. Now, uh, they always seem to be uh, making their way uh, very much like, you know, off donations and very little money. Maybe we should at least find out they do have basketball scores for that night so we can play some bets. Ooh. That way, if you keep that to track down the shrine past here, you have some extra cash around with you, Daniel. That might be good if it tells basketball scores. That's all I'm saying. My God. Yeah. Come on, Daniel. Yeah. Seems, seems like an obvious thing. Now, uh, Daniel tries to wrestle it away from Roland and says the shrine is in his future. I actually dug that line. Yeah. Um, the shrine then pops out another. <laughs> I thought it was a bubble at first, but it's like a crystal ball. I did too. Yeah. <clears throat> my 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 immediate thought was like, oh okay. It, when the second one pops out, it does make a clink on the ground when it lands. Yeah. it's I'm almost like, like um, almost like the, like when you put water on the gremlins. Oh, <laughs> and they pop <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> but I was like, what? Okay, so now <coughs> he's got these little snow globes, these little pink snow globes that he can't get rid of. Just like, just throw yeah. it away. What do you do with it? <laughs> I, are they recyclable? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I did like the line about it, you know, the, the it's in my future. Now, Daniel wrestles it away. Um, the shrine pops on their crystal. Daniel sees Mr. Miyagi potentially dying to get the shrine. And Roland swipes up the shrine, takes off, and he's like, you know, it, if you come after me, then you know Miyagi will die. Ooh. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Real catch 22. Real yeah. catch 22. Now, Roland is hanging out in a trashy apartment. And he asks the shrine to see the future. He sees him, I guess, maybe himself performing at some high end place. I don't. It, apparently, at twelve noon the next day, his future comes true. Real, now, real quick, this this scene of him sitting in that apartment, mm-hmm. looking at it, that seemed rather like pornographic, didn't it? Oh, like as in like they probably use it to shoot porn there as well. Or no, he was like, like the way he was sitting and watching it. He was like, oh, still yeah. with his turban and, and cape on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like why? Anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Oh, come, come on in, uh, ma'am. I see your future. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so, ooh, uh, this is this shrine has some other powers. Like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. You never know. I mean, you got to get, get something out of it. Um, so I called it a trash apartment. Now, cut to Daniel Miyagi and Taki approaching Roland's, Roland's apartment. 
And Taki seems shocked at how shitty it looks. <laughs> She's like, this is where the amazing Roland lives? What the Did hell? you think the amazing Roland is actually an amazing Roland, yeah. an amazing guy? <laughs> I don't know. It's big time actress. I don't know. It's not Vegas, people. Um, Daniel sees a flower cart from one of, from the first vision that he got when looking at the little crystal ball. Uh, he tries to get it away from Mr. Miyagi, but almost gets hit by a guy on a bike. And it causes the official first part of the vision, Mr. Miyagi handing flowers to this older woman come true. Um, that was the lady's cart that they knocked over. And then Mr. Miyagi picks it up. He goes, flowers for a beautiful lady. And then pulls out a wad of cash. Oh, hands biggest, it to her. Oh, such a big wad of cash. But also, you just gave her her flowers. He's such a nice guy, that Miyagi. <clears throat> Maybe he yeah. was, I don't know. Maybe he's playing the long game. Maybe he's kind of attracted to her. Maybe he is trying to date her like, you know, like a fox would date maybe a rabbit. <laughs> oh, he's he's, a, he's he's taking it slow. He's Yeah. Yeah, she's the rabbit and he's the fox. It may be. Maybe. I don't know. Chase is Seems on. like it might be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, while they're helping her put all the cart back together, Roland slips out the side door. And they're like, man, we got to find the amazing Roland. The flower's like, oh, he just went that way. <laughs> oh, great. Uh, tack, ta- the tacky. She's a little tacky. But Taki grabs Daniel, and they give chase, uh, but not before Roland can get on a bus and drives away. Meanwhile, we see that Mr. Whiskers is now stalking them. Aha. Ooh. The rabbit is now the fox. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Miyagi, what's your metaphor now? Oh, I'm sure we'll find out. I'm sure we will find out still. <laughs> now, while Miyagi goes to grab a cab, Daniel looks at the ball again. He tries to tell Taki it's just a snow globe that he grabbed. Um, but she's like, ooh, cool. Grabs it anyway. And then she sees the vision of Mr. Miyagi with a lady in her poodle. And she's like, what kind of demon worship is this? Uh, he explains it while they jump in the cab. They're whispering, thinking Miyagi cannot hear them. Obviously he can. And then Taki's like, hey, just relax. It's not raining out. And that vision of the poodles, there's rain. So we're fine. Uh, They get out. Suddenly, Daniel sees a lady with poodles and then just runs up to her and tries to steal her umbrella. Like, are there are there no options like of like, hey, ma'am, just anything to like keep her away from Mr. Miyagi instead of like trying to assault her. (laughs) I did find that very funny. Yeah, because that was his first. He's like, "Oh, there she is!" <clears throat> and then, without asking or saying, like, "What should we do?" Just ran over and started grabbing her umbrella. Yeah, it was very fun. Yeah, now it causes one of the poodles to get away. It runs into the street. Taki chases after to get back, but not before the car swerves. A car swerves, smashes into a fire hydrant, and water rains down on them all. Mister Maggie <laughs> climbs through the now broken window, grabs the umbrella, and then holds it for the lady. In the in the most casual <clears throat> manner I've ever seen, he he walked through that broken glass window of that that uh, store, walked, sauntered in, immediately grabbed a umbrella. I was like, that guy's a good looter. Like, man, he's done this held, before. Held one of the puppies, it licked them all over the face for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, he is yeah. so smooth. Uh, so then as the lady and her poodles walk away, he turns and he's like, what the hell are you two up to? But in, in much nicer Miyagi terms. Daniel hands him the ball. And Mr. Miyagi says, Daniel shortcut paid off. Awesome. 
But Daniel and Taki are like, no, 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 no. You're going to die if we find this thing. And the, the last vision shows that, you know, you're falling in front of a bus and getting hit, you know, as we get to the shrine. And now here is a very key moment for us, Matt. Folks, take a quick second here. We are almost all the way through. Almost all the way through four episodes. And now we're finding out where this damn shrine even came from or why they're trying to find it. Miyagi says, finding the shrine important for Okinawa Village. Aha! This is the first reference to it ever. Wow. Wow, the mystery is unfolding before us. Yeah, yeah. This I, We are dropped into the Amazon on day one, and they never tell us anything about this fucking thing. Finally, we find it. And finally, we know where it came from. And then Mr. Miyagi says, look, if this is my fate, so be it. This thing's more important than me. And he says they have to go see the Eiffel Tower, which now I'm guessing is a bucket list uh, thing. Because he's like, I might die, so let's go see stuff. Why not? I want to. I want the best uh, parfait au chocolat in town. I want to go see the Eiffel Tower. Uh, you know, I want to have a, a, a baguette. I don't know. Crepes. Want to go, go see that Jack Nicholson Morgan Freeman film? Yeah, I mean, bucket anything, list. Yeah. But but in French, you know, <laughs> yeah. dub. <clears throat> so th- I'm like, that's weird. But I guess maybe it's in the vision that he sees it. To, I don't know. I, you couldn't tell where they were supposed to be in that. Yeah, it was kind of. It's kind of interesting that he sees the vision. He sees details of the vision, and it's like, oh, I die. Yada blah blah blah. We got to get to the place in the vision <laughs> where I die. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't think we ever see that that's where it is. So at first, I'm like, he wants to go sightseeing now? Oh, that's right. His first thing was that they see the man. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The man's there or whatever. I think whiskers. Something. I don't know. There's been so so many snow globes throughout this (laughs) episode. I can't keep track of which one's which. Well, so here we go. We we cut to Roland now in his uh, original snow globe they saw. It showed, (laughs) told him to be someplace at noon. It's outside a jewelry store. He's like, man, I'm right here with Vision said to be. I'm on time, but like, now what? Like, am I going to get all these riches? Suddenly, two robbers exit the store. They bump into him, drop a whole box of jewels in his lap before running off. And he picks it up. He's like, what the heck? And all of a sudden, cops arrive, and it makes him look like the thief. And he's like, oh, shit. Takes off running. Jumps off a bridge before the cops can get to him. Now, they assume he swam up river, even though in the time that it took for them to get to there, he probably would have just hit the water. You could have seen him come up. Like, couldn't have got far. Um, but really, you know, at this point, Roland is also now warped physics. Because he jumps straight off the thing. But then he ends up in, like, this weird, like, small tunnel that you shouldn't be physically able to get into the way he jumped. Hey, he's amazing. What can you say? I mean, maybe maybe it was the same the same one where Mr. Miyagi was running on air so you can do stuff. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. it's very weird. I'm like, that's not the angle he was going at. Um, and then Roland asks the shrine to get a new vision. This time he sees Mr. Whiskers giving him money at the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> all right. There we go. We're pulling it all together. I also <sighs> want to hear the, the police call out the APB, you know. It's like, oh, we're chasing a jewel thief uh, dressed like a stereotypical magician. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got uh, a cape I, on. You can't miss him. <laughs> Red there's cape. another time when the cops start coming up and... Uh, as he's running away, I'm like, why not take off the Johnny Carson-esque <laughs> turban and yeah. cape and you won't stand out nearly as much. But no, <laughs> he's keeping this thing on the whole time. No, no. <clears throat> anyway, 
Um, Miyagi, Daniel, and Taki get to the tower, uh, the Eiffel Tower as well. Mr. Miyagi looks at the crystal ball again, looks around, goes, huh, red truck's not here, must be the wrong spot. He is taunting death at this point. <laughs> or he's just been watching it long enough to see more stuff than Daniel could. I don't know. But he's like, yeah, let's go find this truck. Now, Daniel sees Roland walk by, um, but they don't see Mr. Whiskers uh, on the bench behind them. He's hiding behind a newspaper. Uh, Mr. Whiskers has now learned that Roland has the shrine. Uh, and, and as they keep walking around looking for stuff, Roland starts to walk by, and, and Daniel just kind of turns Mr. Miyagi a different way so he doesn't see him because he's like, I can't keep him away. Don't want you to die. Uh, Roland is then looking around for Mr. Whiskers, who then walks up to him. Are you the man with the money? Are you the man with the statue? Boom. They make a swap. Amazing. Super easy peasy. Both go their, I, their own way. Neither of them knew who the other one was. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think they'd um, ever seen each other, and they just did that. Well, that's what the turban sticks out. I mean, you know. <laughs> it's insane. It helps. <laughs> it's um, just like, are you the man with the money? Like, what a question <laughs> to ask someone. Yeah. So, again, like, I mean, Mr. Whiskers, he takes it. He takes off. But Roland stands there for a second. That's when cops pull up again. And he's like, oh, crap. They're here again. I can get the hell out of here. And that's when I was like, well, take off the stupid turban, uh, <laughs> turban and cape, and we can get. You, know, you won't stand out as much. You maybe sneak off. But nope. Instead, he seals a red bakery truck, the same one from the vision. And of course, baguettes fly out. <clears throat> they do everywhere, everywhere. Now, Mr. Miyagi, he sees Mr. Whiskers and he keeps beating a dead rabbit metaphor long <laughs> over its past. And he says, ah, rabbit got carrot back. He then gives a little chase. Mr. Whiskers just drops it and runs off. Now, he spent the whole day stalking these people. He handed a big wad of cash to a dude in a, in a, in a weird uh, turbine, a turbine, turbine and, and cape. And then he just skips out? Like, ah, forget it. I'm done. <laughs> like, then why not just leave before? Maybe his, maybe he got a little future snow globe and it, it said some bad things about him. And he wanted to avoid that. Yeah, There's I don't know. Lot it seemed like we're he's filling in. Yeah. He wasted a lot. See, again, I'm going to I'm gonna say right now, um, <clears throat> Max Campbell, this is your fault. Um, in episode two of making me look at logic way too many <laughs> times in that episode. And now I'm doing it all the way through. And it's and it's just logic shouldn't be here at all. Like, he just, just, just left. Kept your money. Been gone. Oh, well, I tried to get the shrine. It didn't work. God, let's go eat some more parfaits. I, I think that's exactly what he thought. He said, you know, life's too short to... Not go and enjoy another parfait. Yeah, instead of handing out all this money for something and then just throwing it down, I mean, now you can eat. You can't go to the top 10 places. Now you gotta go to like 15 through 20. Uh, Miyagi goes to get the shrine, but the red truck comes around the corner. So he hits it out of the way and seems to hurt his leg in the process. To which then Daniel's like, Oh no, I'm making the future happen again. He didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. Like outside of getting the crystal ball, you've done nothing to actually make this one happen. Not like before where he messed with the the poodles and caused the whole thing to happen or with the, the flowers. He's literally just standing there doing nothing. <laughs> I, I I don't I don't get it. He's like it's my fault this is happening, and nothing is his fault at this point. At least in this situation. Now, even with the truck barreling down, Miyagi is cool as ever. 
He doles out more Miyagiism. Act on own, Daniel-san. There are many futures. Don't let Shrine make yours. Make own future. Save me. <laughs> yeah. Find, Please. Yeah, find Doctor Strange. Open the multiverse. Save me. <laughs> Daniel breaks the crystal ball, then runs, parkours off one car that's moving along, and slides right through the window of the red truck. Now, I want to say he's going to dropkick Roland, but he doesn't. He just lands right in Roland's lap like, hey, buddy. <laughs> Quickly turns the wheel to avoid Mr. Miyagi. Um, but in the process, he hits the shrine, which then rolls off to the side through a sewer grate just before Taki can grab it. Meanwhile, Daniel and Roland crash into some bushes. Um, Daniel runs over to check on Miyagi. Roland comes over and apologizes immediately. <laughs> and uh, then we cut to the close. This Miyagi, was Daniel. the most insane close I think I've ever seen in any show. Cut to the close. Mr. Miyagi, Daniel, and Taki are enjoying a meal. More grapes. And then Mr. Miyagi, he starts, like, spinning this plate around. And he well, what says... What he's doing, man? What is that? It was so unsettling. It's weird. He's he's spinning the bowl around, and he says, oh, I see Roland is a great future ahead of him. And then Daniel is like, well, what about my future? And he's like, well, I see one where the fruits of Daniel's labor are at his feet. Now, for some reason... Daniel has the tablecloth tucked into his <laughs> gi and decides to just stand up for no reason. There's no reason to stand up. There's no reason for the tablecloth to be stuck there. This sends all the fruit falling at his feet. Just just like <clears throat> final shot of this show is directed by David Lynch or some, something. <laughs> Him moving that bowl around on that table. I was like, what's he going to do with the bowl? Didn't do anything with the ball. <laughs> no, but he predicted the future. And because I don't, maybe he knew that Daniel already had the stupid thing going on where he tied. Why do you tie the tablecloth into your shirt? It made me think that he did it to Daniel. But then I was like, A, how? And B, why? <laughs> with his feet. With his feet. Yeah, it's like so unsettling. Uh, so many questions right at the end. <laughs> and then Taki's like, oh, I'm gonna i'm going after this one easily daniel your future is already coming true and mr maggie's like hey you got any other questions i can answer you about the future <laughs> uh and daniel closes out the episode by saying uh never mind no more crystal balls from me from now on i'm making my own tomorrows credits boom Bam. and that is uh, episode four the Tomorrow Man, and I feel like it's already tomorrow because this episode was so long. My God, um, <clears throat> I, it, it was amazing. Yeah, it's some <laughs> solid stuff they put together here, right? Yeah, that just had everything. It had <clears throat> desserts. It had magicians, little car or boats, <laughs> jewelry yeah. heists, rowboats, speedboats, jewelry Ooh. heists gone bad. People just abandoning shit in a, in a, in a heartbeat. Can can dancers. Yeah, I'm, this everything. might be the greatest. This might be the greatest episode of of Cry Kid ever because it had everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I I mean I I can't tell you anything more about it uh, other than that except that yeah I mean it's if you can find something more, uh, find an episode with something more in it from this, I'll I'll be shocked. I mean, man, it was a ride, this episode. It was funny because uh, the way that I watched it, too, it was split in half. 
and it was just like so con- <laughs> i was so confused that i missed a lot and it's like no at once once they once he took the shrine and the, the poodle thing happened the episode moved so quickly <laughs> it was so lost i mean once they took a pause from fox and rabbit metaphors <laughs> they really got moving along with the the plot of the entire thing and it's just yeah it's just more ridiculousness and on top of it, like this this shrine gets away in such crazy ways like it fell in there it's i i mean they're in france i mean who knows it could be in antarctica next week i actually i think it might be in london next week so it didn't go very far this time i do kind of like how like it fell down a sewer grate you can definitely access the sewers <laughs> Sure with all can. of the yeah. lengths that they're going to, why wouldn't they just go check out the sewers? Oh, Pennywise. Come on. I wouldn't go down. Pennywise. Down there. <laughs> the French yeah. Pennywise I might go down there for. Yeah, Hello. The... Well, that's just a mime. <laughs> yeah. Which is even would... creepier. Yeah, I was going to say that actually yeah. be way more unsettling. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Yeah. No sewers. Uh, yeah. Matt, you've uh, you've been on Pop-Up Filmcast before, so you know how we like to uh, like to rate our movies. Uh, uh, on yes. a one to ten scale, usually based on something that may connect you back to the episode in some ridiculous fashion. Uh, what are you going to give um, the Man of Tomorrow, Tomorrow Man, episode four of the Karate Kid? What's uh, what's your one to ten? I'll tell you. I think I'm going to give it a five because there are, and correct me if I'm wrong five rabbit and fox metaphors throughout this episode Mm -hmm. maybe more uh if there are 10 i'll give it a 10 (laughs) however many there's a couple that are rolled into one so i think yeah it's easy that you can see that there's five and um yeah yeah that's you you know what i'm gonna do something we've never done i'm actually gonna match you with that as well hell yeah (laughs) so the official rating is five out of ten uh, Miyagiisms about a rabbit and a fox. I'll tell you, I, it was almost madness. I was I was frustrated by how many times he mentioned this rabbit. I I couldn't believe it because I mean he's he says these weird things all the time, but he's never gone like that deep. No, and like I don't adhere it to the episode a little bit, you know. Like the fox and the rabbit, like what is this? You could have said anything. The cop. Yeah. And what are Robert. some? What are some? What are some good French animals they could have compared it to? Oh God, French animals. Frogs uh, the and... uh, the snails, so escargot and uh... <laughs> <There you go. laughs> the frogs and the scorpions. That's a yeah. thing. A parable. Yeah. Any, anything that would have made more more sense, I get. But that he, well, he probably has a list of them. He's like, oh no. The rabbit and fox is the one that I have like five or six to use. Yeah, Miyagi wakes up in the morning and goes through his notebook. He goes, uh, mm-hmm. what am I going to use today? Hmm. Uh, no. I've oh, been waiting to use no. this one for like months. <laughs> Every up. episode is like a an open mic for him. He's getting he's getting his open mic material ready. That's actually probably not too far off the off the truth at that point. Uh, um. So, well, normally we have two different scores that we have to then pull together. Um, so who knows what's going to happen this time, but, uh, we're going to take the five out of 10 rabbit Fox metaphors, and we're going to put them into the genuine real electric algorithmic total numerical efficiency sorting system, AKA the greatness meter type, 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 and uh, a 4.5 out of 10. 
Hey. That's actually seems pretty solid for this episode. It, you know, the, it, the greatness calculator never never fails. Yeah, I'm usually I usually think I have to take it in to get uh, a tune up, but <laughs> this seems to be uh, right on point there. Yeah, and it's not an average because that wouldn't make sense. <laughs> oh, look, I right. can't. I <clears throat> not even with patent pendings. I really can't explain to you how this thing works. Oh, I see. Um, I see. But it does. It does. Uh, but that's the first time we've had two matching things. So I thought maybe it would actually give us a five, but no. Yeah, that's interesting. Interesting. You know, four point five out of ten on that. Uh, Matt, the next thing I want to ask you about here is, do you have uh, an episode MVP? Uh, is Ooh. an EMVP, and uh, whoever this person is, they will be eligible for our series MVP at the end of the season. All right, I'm going to go with the flower lady that Miyagi clearly wants to bang. Um, she's uh, awesome. You know, she even says thank you, I think. <laughs> um, Sparks flew, and I think we're going to see her later on in the series. <laughs> Oh, I, you can you can only hope you can only hope either it's either her or the poodle lady. Um, yeah, there seems there's to be a close there. contender, close contender mm-hmm. to be quite frank. <clears throat> wow, quite quite the wild card there. I was not expecting that. <laughs> um, see, this is the thing where um, Miyagi could win every single time, it's true. Uh, but I'm not going to allow that. And uh, I'm going to go with Mr. Whiskers. Oh yeah, Mr. Mr. Whiskers is a solid pull. Uh, and. Solid. I mean, my basis is because his name is Mr. Whiskers. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> he did um, have a very nicely shaped beard. He did. He did. And a creepy trench coat and talked to match. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. But I, mostly because he loves a good uh, parfait au chocolat. He appreciates the finer things. Mm-hmm. Dumpy apartments and parfaits. <laughs> <clears throat> he spends all his money on parfaits. He can't live somewhere nice. Yeah. Uh, folks, check out Twitter. Tomorrow, you can vote for the official episode MVP, and then they'll be put up for uh, series MVP when we're done with this whole crazy 13 episodes. Wow. Uh, Matt, thank you, sir, for joining. Hey, thank you. It was an honor to talk about this episode. I don't want to say watch this episode, mm-hmm. but it was an honor to talk about it with you. Hey, well, look... Um... We don't necessarily promote hazing at the Podfix Network, but uh, you're part of a brand new show over there, and uh, so I, you know I was able to leverage that to have you come on right away. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had to, man. I just I'm, I'm tired of watching the show. I've watched this episode twenty times now. Can I stop, please? No, no. Keep watching, even after uh, we're done here. You have to keep watching. It's uh, part of your dues oh. that you have to pay uh, for right. doing that. Um, and then also, can you please grab my bags um, and, and carry them to the bus for me? Uh, rookie yeah. hazing type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, and you'll have to pay for the meal when we when the whole team goes out later. The whole Pazix team. You're, oh, you're the new man. guy. You have to pay for the, the rookie meal. That one guy yeah, eats yeah. so much. Oh, don't talk about Chris DeVos that way. <laughs> I, no, actually, you know what? I take it back. Don't let, I'll edit that out. Don't talk about Paul that way, just because he's got like an unlimited food box, hey. and he's crazy shit all the time. I mean, yeah. Hmm. Hey. Anyway, oh, that could have also been pointed at me. I eat a lot too. Hey, uh, so do I. <laughs> yeah. Well, my family's been gone for these last few days, and I realize that uh, I don't have willpower. But people aren't <laughs> around, and I've eaten junk for three days. That like, 
should not have eaten that. Like it's stuff that should have been spread out over like two weeks. That I probably put away in three days. You know that mm. those big cartons of goldfish, the big ones that you get at like Sam's Club. No, actually, I was with the box of Lucky Charms. Oh, nice. And the nice. Um, also the the thing of Eskimo pies. Oh, uh, plus any other junk. Man, I probably need to edit out explaining what I've eaten <laughs> recently. Uh, but we could try. You know, uh, I was about to try to do a nice transition. So you know what else eats a lot? Walruses. But you're uh, part of a uh, improv troupe called Walrus, not just Walrus. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it's you got Walrus. a brand new show on the Podfix Network. Tell us everybody about it. Sure. Yeah, it's a improv <laughs> podcast about improv where we improvise through different topics that you might learn over the course of doing improv and uh it's kind of like the off topic kind of stuff and uh we we have a good time they're fun and you might learn something too yeah or you might get confused i was very confused in your most recent episode about uh yes (laughs) well the most recent one i listened to because i didn't know who was making a bit and who wasn't yes uh it's hard to know um, anything about a warehouse and a bunch of uh, call center employees dying in a warehouse fire? Not true. Um, at least that's what our lawyers say. Uh, it's a bit. Well, that part I thought was I couldn't tell if the like his whole like a snoozy I, man concept. I didn't know if he was like legit making something up or if he was. So I'm not super versed in all the improv terms. They could just be saying something everyone else knew. But I was like. Is, is nope. he really like is he talking about something new is he make ah, this gotta be an improv thing they're just fucking around with people i don't know either man it's so hard sometimes yeah it's um like, i don't know uh but it's a it's a great uh new addition to the Podfix network uh little bits and pieces name of the show correct yeah that's correct thanks man i appreciate yeah. that uh where can people find more about that show and more about uh walrus well, you can head to our website, walrus.com, or head over to the Podfix <coughs> Network and find that show on there amongst all of these other great shows, including this one. Yeah. Yeah, we're over there somehow. Well, because I'm, I'm a <laughs> VP over there. <laughs> I mean, that's how that works. Uh, also, uh, you hang out with uh, Zach and Kirk every now and then uh, in the On Again, Off Again podcast discovery show. That's true. Yes, uh, we don't have any planned uh, episodes coming out, but we will be either exiting a hiatus or be doing some new projects here soon. So, yeah, and there's plenty of back catalog uh, for that show out oh, there yeah. as well. That's where I oh, first yeah. got introduced to Matt. He was on Pop Up Filmcast. Now he's here because um, he does a lot of things, just like I do, folks. You can <laughs> check out old episodes of Pop Up Filmcast uh, by going either to the Podfix or just wherever you find any of the podcast you listen to. Also, uh, my friend Derek, and also uh, another friend of the show, a friend of mine, Terry. We are the Monster Hunters. Go to www.monsterhunters.com. We are breaking down every episode of a 60-year-old sitcom about a Frankenstein monster and his grotesque family um, (laughs) in a way that actually may be even better than the original episodes were. It's a great time. It's a great time. Um, so go there and check that out. Uh, we will be back. Um, we're actually going to take a week off, I do believe, because the show took a week off back in 1989, and we're matching things up. But when we come back, our good friend uh, from Planthropology, Vikram, will be with us. Uh, but until then, uh, on behalf of Matt and myself, uh, that was great.
wasn't it? Yeah. Karate Kid. <laughs> hey there. Greatness meter here. How great was that? Not bad by my standards. But then again, who am I besides a semi-sentient AI program whose sole purpose is to properly rate these episodes? On behalf of Keith and myself, let's all give a big thanks to Insert guest name here. Weren't they just the best? The real bee's knees. Imagine how amazing they are on their own programs where content quality easily has a higher bar. Now, don't just imagine. Go subscribe, listen, rate etc to show our appreciation. While you are there, why not do the same for us? iTunes, Good Pods, Podchaser or wherever, reviews and comments are always welcome. And the show is available wherever the best podcasts hang out so subscribe right quick. Also, if it so moves you, tell a friend or family or whoever you think would dig this type of show to give us a listen as well. Word of mouth is always the best way to let others know about the fun we have here. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at How Great Was That. Check out our back catalogue if you haven't done so already. That was great. Wasn't It is produced by Keith Gawler, and edited by me, The Greatness Meter. The theme music was composed by the Dr. Dre of Kansas, Terry Vicroy. That Was Great is broadcast via Anchor, a member of the Podfix Network and is a Crispy Dodo production. Come back again next week. We look forward to hearing you listen to an all-new episode of That Was Great. Wasn't it?